GAA Sports Desk. Brought to you by the Herald, every side of Dublin. Good evening and welcome to GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. Uh, in studio this evening, Emma Hayden and myself, Peter Brannigan, and we begin by thanking Hugh and the Live Drive team for getting you home safely this evening. Live Drive returns on air tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Now, we've a packed show coming up over the next hour. Later on, we're going to be hearing from Brendan Cooper, the Secretary of Dublin Camogie. He's looking ahead to the seniors game with Meath this weekend in Parnells. And we're also going to be hearing from Brian Talty. He's looking back on a good weekend for the Dublin's men's footballers. They beat Kildare in the Leinster semi-final at Crow Park and they've set up a showdown with their old rivals Meath in a couple of weeks' time. Before that, we're going to be looking ahead to Parnell Park on Saturday evening. Uh, the last game in the Leinster round-robin series, Dublin taking on Galway and down Wexford Park. It's Wexford against Kilkenny, a place in the Leinster final potentially on the line for the Dublin Hurlers. And we're going to be getting the views of Michael O'Grady, the chairman of the Friends of Dublin Hurling. We're going to be hearing from Herald journalist Ronan McLaughlin. And we're going to be hearing from his colleague Connor McKeown. If you want to contact us in studio, you can. The text line here, 087-977-1032. You can email us, gasportsdesk at dublincityfm.ie. Or you can head over onto our Facebook page, which is gasportsdesk on Dublin. City FM. We begin though in Parnell Park on Saturday evening. Dublin taking on Galway, the final game of the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship. At the same time, down in Wexford Park, as I was saying earlier on, it's Wexford taking on Kilkenny. Dublin essentially need to win this game. They could draw if Wexford were heavily beaten and scraped through, but to keep matters in their own hands, a victory against Galway is the only option. They haven't done it in the Championship in a number of years now, uh, since early on in this decade. And earlier on this evening, I caught up with Herald journalist Conor McKeown to get his view ahead of the game. I suppose Dublin's record, recent record against Galway is, is very poor. Consecutive defeats uh, in the National Hurling League. Uh, heavy defeats in the Championship. Uh, a close one last year in a dead rubber. Is there anything heading into this game that tells you this Saturday evening could be different? Yeah, there is, Peter. Like, there's, there's, you know, you know, I think if you look this fixture up at the start of the year, and, you know, I think nine times out of ten, maybe even ten, you say Galway are going to win. But there's enough of the kind of variables have fallen Dublin's favour in the meantime to, to put a question mark over that prediction. Um, I think it would have been very interesting to see what would have happened had Galway lost at the weekend. I think that would have maybe tilted it even in Dublin's favour. You know, if Galway, you know, without Joe Canning, had come to Parnell Park actually needing a win um, and having all that pressure on their shoulders that they were going to exit the Leicester Championship um, if they didn't beat Dublin and Parnell Park. I'm not sure how they would have dealt with that pressure. Um, you couldn't say for certain that they wouldn't have dealt with it, but uh, you know, you, you, you just wonder. They have a strange dynamic now, Galway, going into the match, knowing that more than likely, regardless of what they do, they'll go through. Um, but they're leaving themselves open to fate there, because Wexford kick any draw in the other game, and Dublin win, and uh, Galway are actually out. So they're kind of coming with a small bit of pressure off them, but they also have to take provision for the fact that they're going to need to get the results just to be certain to get through. So... You know, all those stories about Joe Cannon coming back left um, for this game. I would be surprised if he's not amongst the 26. Um, and if they need him off the bench, they would bring him on. Um, but like they played really good hurling last weekend against Kilkenny. Um, I was really impressed with them, particularly in the first half. 
you know, that they had like direction up front without Canning. Um, they have been poor on freeze between um, Jason Flynn and Niall Buck, um, and that still continues to be the case. But you know, Carl Mannion has been brilliant for them all year. Uh, Conor Whelan has been brilliant for them all year. Um, but like they're vulnerable, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, the, the pillars of the team, particularly defensively, Dotty Burke, um, Garou McInerney, Horik Mannion, they don't look as ferocious. Um, as they have been in the past and they've probably been the best rulers in the country in their position and I don't think David Burke was covering the same sort of ground in this field so yeah like there, there are question marks about Galway um, and the fact that the game was on Parnell Park it is always worth a couple of points in Dublin and yeah quite rightly you know you you, 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 you cited the record between the two teams over the past few years but it's uh, you know it, it's probably not the most indicative of how this game this weekend will go because you know last year in the year in the league Dublin were a right off they came very close to winning that game with Salt Hill last year when there was nothing on the line and again this year in the league um, they probably weren't in the hole of their house just yet when they met so yeah like I think there's enough variables there um, that have fallen Dublin's way or enough things that are unpredictable to make the result less predictable I suppose than it should ordinarily be yeah, and in terms of, I suppose, if Dublin were to try and cause a shock this weekend, you know, we we saw it maybe in the Waterford game in the league, certainly we saw it against uh, Kilkenny and against Wexford, leaking kind of soft goals, an area of the pitch that we've thought Dublin have been quite solid in, but just a, a couple of lapses here and there, and I suppose Wellworks moves, particularly maybe one of the Kilkenny goals was a nicely worked move, but just conceding goals at crucial times to, to let other teams back into games, how much of that is a, a worry heading into the game? Yeah, I think the bigger problem is, like, you're going to concede goals and you're going to make mistakes. Um, and sometimes it can be unlucky and sometimes it can be self-inflicted but I think a big problem that Dublin have had is compounded mistakes you know it's like the, the you know Noah Golfer who has a bad mistake and then kicks up again and birdies the next goal like against Wexford I think Dublin conceded a goal which okay you could say it was a mistake it was just a miscontrolled pass after Sean Moore and actually won a ball that he, he possibly shouldn't have won but I think they might have lost the next five bookouts after that so you know, there's a kind of a, a game intelligence here, like it comes with experience and it comes with, you know, you know, really, really rigorous preparation. Dublin have to be on top of. I've no doubt that there will be a phase in the game on Saturday night. It come at come at the very start and it come come towards the very end where Galway will score five, six, seven points in a row or maybe get a goal. But the ability to stop that, to to to, to, to kill that momentum to stop conceding a second goal or to, to prevent it becoming six, seven, eight points in a row that would be a huge thing for Dublin um, because like they have good defenders they have a very good defensive system there's a lot of physicality back there um, you know and Owen O'Donnell I actually think they have the best full back in the game I think he surpassed Dahi Burke and Paddy Smith I think they have one of the most exciting young cornerbacks in the country as well so they have a good system and they have a good defence, but I don't think it's, it's simply the concession of goals. I think it's probably a, a collective game management thing to to prevent the goal becoming something worse. You know, um, just that ability to win an easy puck out, to win a free, um, that's going to be tested this weekend. And if someone can pass the test, I think to be very competitive for the whole game. And in terms of the other end of the park, I suppose uh, in the league, you know, Eamon Dillon and Oshin O'Rourke looked impressive. They were in the corner getting goals in, in games, you know. Uh, obviously, Trollier got a couple of goals against Carlo the last day, but in terms of getting them against the big teams, it's I suppose it's time for those lads and a couple of other players up front to maybe perform, put in real big games. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting how they match up up front. I think, um, you know, Connell Keeney, like, he's an incredible, incredible warrior for Dublin. 
But it kind of suits them the way the game is played now because the majority of teams will play with a holding number six, you know, like even against Wexford where all their defenders nearly are need 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 to be tracked by, by people who can gallop up and down the pitch all day. You know, Matthew Hannan stayed at six and, and himself and Keeney flaked away at each other for the entire game. And it'll be the same with Garol McInerney on Saturday night. Um, and I think Dublin can kind of get a bit off that. And I don't know what the story is with Liam Rush's ankle, but again, like if he can play and Dublin can get him good ball I think there's scope for him to not just match Dottie Bork but to you know he might score the goals himself but like the two penalties against Kilkenny came off rush the the goal chance that had Paul Ryan scored us against Wexford would have made the game finished and a Dublin victory that came off Liam Rush and I think even the free for Sean Moore and um late goal came off Liam Rush as well so a lot can come off him when he's there and then you know the same thing um, I'm sure that Galway will try and put Parik Mannion on Danny Sutcliffe and like Danny after conceding a couple of points to Sean Murphy in Wexford Park and, and getting booked kind of faded from the game so like there are three really key matchups and I think those Dublin players can win their battles um, you know even if they're not the guys scoring the goals they will win possession they will create a bit of havoc they will draw men to them and then it's down to you know fellas like Paul Ryan Eamon Dillon and um, you know whether it's Fergal Whitey or whoever else is there in the forward line you know, they're the guys who are going to finish your goal chances. But yeah, look, you're right. I don't. I, I have very hard to envisage Dublin winning this game unless they score at least two goals. And in terms of, I suppose, free-taking has been an area where Dublin have had issues. Obviously, uh, David Tracy started down in Kilkenny and, and maybe it didn't uh, really work out for him too much. Uh, Paul Ryan has, has been more impressive maybe on the freeze. And even from a Galway point of view, obviously, with, with Joe Canning out, they've, they've kind of struggled in that area. That could be a decisive area come Saturday evening. It will. And by the same token, I think... Um, you know how the game is refereed is going to be a big thing because, like Dublin are, are a strong and physical team, Galway are an even stronger and more physical team, and both teams try uh, try and play the game um, in a very very physical way. Um, you know, as in right on the edge. Like we saw Shane Barrett getting sent off against Carlo for you know when he shouldn't really. So a lot will come down to Cahill McAllister's interpretation of what constitutes a heavy hit and what constitutes a free. Um, because you know, in a game like this, if you don't, if you don't set the tone early, you know you can have an awful lot of challenges that come in, and then you're kind of, you know, you're making up for the fact that you didn't give freeze early on by giving freeze for nothing late on. So, um, yeah, like an awful lot will come down to that because in Parnell Park, because it's so tight, I think the physicality element becomes even more pronounced. So, yeah, like if Dublin, if Dublin don't give away a huge amount of freeze, um, you know, you could see them kind of profiting a little bit more than Galway because you know I think Galway's problem with, with freeze in Salt Hill was exacerbated by the fact that it's an awful place to be a free taker you know the wind just whips in off one of the corners of the stadium and, 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 and the kind of it, it ruins it now the problems against Kilkenny as well but um, you know you can't be relying on Galway having an off day from the freeze um, as your saviour so yeah it's a big one particularly for Paul Ryan because you know he has had moments where he's looked like the best free taker in the country and he's had moments like the Kilkenny game last year in Parnell Park where you know the level looks like it's gone a little bit higher and, and he's miscued them so yeah from that point of view like you know, if you have a free taker scoring 10, 11 points, you know, you look at somebody like TJ Reid, you know, it, 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 it's a huge part of the game now. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you for your prediction in just a moment, but before I do that, the other semi final, I suppose if. Uh if Dublin Mead is the traditional football Leinster football final Wexford Kilkenny is certainly that in the hurling equivalent uh, a real interesting game to look forward to particularly as you said because Kilkenny come in off a defeat um, 
you know, Wexford maybe coming in for the first time in a while, confident. They obviously beat them two years ago and probably should have beaten them up in Nolan Park last year. How do you see that game going down at Wexford Park? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, you know, I kind of thought the kick anywhere in a little bit better shape than they, than they showed at the weekend against Galway. Um, it's only when you stand back and you look at the tally that you realise how reliant they have been and are on TJ Reid. But look, he's an extraordinary talent and like, you, you know, you know, you can you can give out about it being being reliant on a fella, but when he when he can contribute as much as T J Reid does and does contribute as much as T J Reid does, um, you know, you can make your peace with that. Um, and you see Richie Hogan the last day, okay, his hurling wasn't up to scratch, but he got very involved after he came off the bench. So I think Kilkenny are coming back into form, and if they if they do get into a Leinster final, if they do make it out of the province, I think they'll actually be more of an All Ireland force than than they looked. You know, in, in the in the league and even in the early rounds of this year's championship, but it's hard to know. Like it's hard to predict any game that involves Wexford because, um, you know, they're they're kind of a streaky team. They're like they play in a very regimented way. There's so much of their movement, so much of their puck out is orchestrated. Um, but against Dublin and against Galway, like when they when they got their momentum when they got on top, you know, they they looked like they were going to they looked like they were going to explode. They looked like they were going to win five, six, seven points. Um, and, and they probably would have were enough for Sean Moran free or for Cahill Dunbar and his unfortunate strike at the very end of that game so you know it, it's hard to predict actively what's going to happen in that game um, but I have a feeling that Wexford are actually going to win it So your Leinster top three then come Saturday night at 9 o'clock are, are Dublin going to be in it or is it a Kilkenny Wexford Galway and who will compete in the Leinster final as well? Um I don't know. Like I think there's a fair chance that Dublin could win it, um, but I couldn't tell you for definite that they're going to. Um, that's a cop out. Um, yeah, look, I probably think the Galway would probably like on their balance of play. You do probably expect Galway to win the game, um, and I suppose if they do, then it's Galway and Wexford in the Leinster final and and Kenny in third place. But um, um, I mean, it could be Dublin against the final. Uh, I, I don't have any hard and fast answers. I, I like. You know, I'd, yeah, I would like to think that Dublin have been so close to making this breakthrough of getting this victory over the last few years. And they've shown enough signs um, in the games they played this year against Wexford and Kenny that when they're hurling well, they're actually capable of, of, of living with any team. But I suppose until they put in that complete performance, the really, the really consistent performance where they, where they, you know, hurl like that for the majority of the game and kind of weathered the opposition storm it's just hard to, to say with any great degree of certainty that they're definitely going to do that so, so I suppose for that reason I'd have to go for Galway Yeah that's fair enough uh, very very interesting Saturday evening ahead so just very briefly I suppose in terms of the football obviously uh, over the weekend uh, Dublin Meath into Leinster Finals the first Leinster Final for Meath in five years um, maybe look at them first um, they're starting to build a little bit of a head of steam obviously with promotion you know they'd been beaten early in Leinster last year and they kind of scraped through the first game against Offaly but now they're starting to build a little bit of, of maybe confidence I suppose in that team and they'll they'll have a crack at Dublin now in a couple of weeks Yeah like I mean I think if Andy McEntee was if he made um, a wish list at the start of the year I think promotion to Division 1 would have been a huge thing and then a Leinster final appearance would have been another huge thing and, and probably the third thing on his list would be a spot in the Super 8 so it's interesting to see how Mead approach this because they're not going to win. Um, and I think if you sell it to players and say, "Look, we have to win this game, and we'll, you know we're capable of winning this," you know, like Andy McIntyre's in a weird place because you know, there's no chance of winning if he, if he sits down and says, "Look, lads, we're not going to win this game. We keep the score down and and you know make sure that regardless of what happens, we're in a good place um, psychologically in that qualifier game to get us into Super Eight. 
But by the same token, if you you know, if you go into this to the mid players and say, look, lads, we're definitely going to win this game. You know, I believe if we perform, we can win, and they take a fifteen point defeat. It can be very hard to pick them up. So you know, it's a strange, it's a strange, um, it's a strange game for Andy McIntyre. But like they've been building for for three years. Like there's no doubt that Andy McIntyre had Dublin in his mind when he took over the when he took over the job a couple of years ago for Mick O'Dowd. Uh, and it's probably taken them a little bit longer to get back there. But like just in terms of their own improvement, like they have a few good players. They have in Donald Kelvin, one of the best um, ball carrying half backs and one of the best defenders in the country. He is outstanding. But other than that, I mean it's you know, there are a lot of promise out there. Like I like to look at Brian McMahon. Um Brian Menton looks like he's kind of developing into a really good into county midfielder, but um yeah, it's only potential, and I suppose until such time as they compete in Division One regularly, and um, and I suppose playing the Super Eights, they're the two big things that will kind of gauge to see um, what potential this me team has. Um, but for the moment, I'm thinking a one-off game. I don't think there's any chance to beat Dublin. And I suppose speaking of Dublin, uh, you know, as as sort of. I don't know as routine a Leinster semi-final win as you could really hope for a couple of moments where Kildare got in around the back and had goal opportunities and maybe against a particularly maybe a Kerry or a Mayo those goal chances might have gone into the net Yeah possibly but I think the way Dublin play now is you know we, you know, we always think as Dublin has been the protagonist in games but I think the way they play is they nearly set, let the other team set the agenda because um, you know you know if a team plays in a very kind of um, you know, in, in in a very mass defence kind of a way with a with a zonal hybrid defence or whatever you want to call it, they kind of set the terms of engagement. So Dublin nearly let you do that and then kind of beat you doing that anyway. And it was obvious that Kildare were going to come and have a go. They were going to come and try and put up a big score. And then Dublin just simply just, you know, said, well, we, we'll outscore you. And that's ultimately what they did. So, like, in a game like that, I think Dublin can kind of concede goal chances and, and just write them off as collateral damage. Um, and, and that's what happened. I, I think the interesting thing was the fact that um, Dublin didn't score any goals themselves, um, which they'll probably be disappointed with. But um, look, any championship game to score 26 points, then I don't think. I think you can write off the, the turnovers and the goal chances that they conceded has just been, you know, part of the gig. All right, thanks indeed to Connor for joining us on the show. We'll have a little bit more on those football games later on. Emma is going to be speaking to Brian Talty. But back to the hurling game on Saturday evening. Emma caught up with the chairman of the Friends of Dublin Hurling, Michael O'Grady, and they started by looking back at the victory against Carlo. Really good win. You know, it was a game I was very much afraid of. Carlo kind of thought they would take Dublin in Carlo. Carlo had been playing well. You know, they scored 118 against Galway, over in Galway. You know, the... Um, They've got any very good good match in the second half in in Carlo, so they were always a team to be kind of to be respected, and I maybe mentioned the last time they gave Dublin a real fight in the league match there last February in Parnell Park, but Dublin really and truly kind of put a sample of the game early on, took control, two great goals by Emma Dillon, got a good play by a lot of other players, and uh, they were never in never in danger. But it was a very good uh, performance by Dublin. It was a very strong finish from them as well. Carlo kind of came back a little bit, but uh, Dublin did not let them come back. Correct, yeah, correct. And it's amazing that as a result, you know, Dublin have a fairly decent, uh, respectable uh, score difference. They're plus seven. The very same as Galway, which makes it very interesting next Saturday. 
Obviously, last weekend we saw some interesting games in the Leinster uh, Championship. We saw that very interesting match at Galway against Kenny. That one point in the end, very, very tough battle between the two. Real tough back, you know, and it was neat for Galway because Galway had been playing very poorly in the early rounds of the, of the round robin, you know, and I thought they were they were simply not going to be around this year. But after last Sunday, they're back with a bang. They were very impressive, very physical game, took Kenny on in every department and got a, maybe lucky to win by a point, but uh, the fact is they won. And we're eight points up at one stage in the second half playing into the wind. So a fairly impressive performance by Galway. And in that form, they will take beating. Do you think this will be a benefit to Galway coming through against that battle, or will they be a bit tired now? Dublin obviously coming in fresh. Well, hopefully they are tired. <laughs> that's, that's probably only positive for Dublin, if you like. But Galway, they're a real tough team in Northern Park, you know. But I'd imagine they're able to rehab nowadays really easily. They don't overdo it to the, the following week, which is this week, you know. So I'd imagine they'd be, you know, they know now they have a chance of appearing in the Leinster final. If they beat Dublin, they're in the Leinster final. And that'll be a big attraction for them. You know, they could be number one, actually, because they're five points and Tizetti and Wexford are only four points. So, uh, yeah, it will be, uh, you know, it's a massive game for, obviously, for everyone. All the four teams can end up in the Leinster final. And all the four teams can end up as being knocked out of the round robin, depending on the results of two matches next Saturday. Barnett Park, 7 o'clock, and Wexford Park, 7 o'clock. Very, very interesting. And obviously it is Dublin against Galway in Pineal Park. Pineal Park, a little bit of a fortress for Dublin. Would you think that'll be a benefit for them? I do indeed. I do indeed. And I just see actually it's sold out. I just saw their tickets that I There's no tickets left for the beach, which is a long time since Pineal Park was sold out for a holding game. Now, Galway will bring massive support. We should know that, you know, and I would say probably three quarters of the stand will be got to be because they have season tickets and because of that, they have rights to a stand seat. So a lot of dubs will be on the terraces, but dubs don't mind being on the terraces. Might even be, they might be more vocal on the terraces, but really and truly, it's a, a, a set out, which is wonderful for hurling, for, especially for Dublin. Obviously, you did say it is a must-win game for all four teams, in fact, this weekend. What are Dublin going to try and do to, to overcome Galway, who are in, as you said, that uh, good place after their victory last weekend? Well, you know, Dublin are, have been doing well. For example, this time last year, Dublin played Galway in the last match over in Galway. And they scored two, they scored two nineteen, and lost by a point. Mm-hmm. Now, as it worked out, it was kind of a dead rubber match because Dublin couldn't qualify. But that was an impressive score over in over in um, Salt Hill. Now, Dublin this year, I think they've played better in each game they played. And the Cardiff performances, even though it was Carlo, they're not a bad team. It was a very good performance. Dublin are getting better and better and better. Now, hopefully they'll have Liam Rush back, maybe Rush and Rook back as well, because they will need 21 players, or 20 players, uh, next Saturday to bring on Keith Sowers midway in the second half. It's going to be a real cruncher. Physical game. Dublin play physical. Dublin like physical, you know. Um, and, you know, Dublin have a chance of, of making history, really. If they beat Galway... Probably Galway knocked out of the knocked out of the championship, which would be a, a, some achievement considering Galway was so good last Sunday. You know, so Dublin have it all to you know all to play for, and you know nobody will give them a chance really except us Dubs, and uh, I think they have a real chance, but it's a massive challenge for them. They'll have to play for seventy five minutes, literally and truly. Every puck is crucial. No giving away a stupid freeze and scoring all the frees to win. But they can do all that, you know. They have a very good government on the side. Matty, Matty is, is a fabulous coach, you know, manager. And uh, Greg Tendy as well. They know the story. They know Galway. They both of them played for Galway. They would dearly love to beat Galway. I know that for a fact. They would dearly love to beat Galway. So a lot of things in Dublin's favour. But again, having that said, 
They're playing a class team who will punish any mistakes. You make a mistake against Galway and it's in the back of the net. Kilkenny did last Sunday, you know, and considered three goals. We have to be sharp, 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 touch tight all the way and play the game of our lives. But I said it's a massive challenge for Chris Crummy and his team. I believe they can do it. And where do you see the key battles coming in this match? Oh my gosh, you know, believe it or not, there are 15 battles next Saturday night. You know, there's 15 battles. Galway have 15 very good hurlers, a very good goalie in Callan, you know. Dublin have 15 very good hurlers, you know. And there's no one department more important than the other because the way they play nowadays, they play short ball, long ball, diagonal balls, it doesn't matter. If anybody shows a weakness, that'll be exposed and the other crowd will, will jump in on that, you know. So we want 15 guys from out of Nolan out where you know, puck outs are crucial here. No bad puck outs, no finding goblet players. I know you're, some, you're trying to find a teammate, but giving away soft scores when you lose by a point is a disaster, you know. And so everybody has to be totally focused, uh, as I touch tight all the way, and winning winning their own game, winning the dirty ball, not giving away a freeze, because Galway are deadly on freeze. We're not to bat ourselves on freeze, you know. And so I, I pick out no department, I pick out the whole team. Everybody is crucial, and I believe subs coming on could play a massive part in this match next Saturday. You mentioned there Matty Kenny already. What do you think of the work he's been doing with this Dublin team over this year? Well, I'm impressed, you know, I really am impressed. You know, Matty is, <clears throat> is a great, to this stage, you know, he's a great CV, especially with the cooler job, you know, and that cooler team played as if Brandon Harding once Matty took over, you know, and they're actually still playing it now, and he's gone, but the opposite was a winning farmer for, for uh, Kula. They're holding it, and I think Dublin are playing something like that now as well, where everybody's kind of re- responsible and accountable for the performance, you know. They're playing for the team, not playing for themselves, you know. And that's, to me, I see that as a big plus for, for Dublin. There are no kind of, uh, no may fairness in the team. We're all part of a big team, and we all have a job to do, and we can't let the other guys down. I think Matty is kind of that, that, that's his kind of ethos, you know. Everybody playing for the team. Whatever it takes, you do it for the team. And I just feel that's kind of a, that's Matty's kind of, I said, his ethos, and uh, I think it's an improving Dublin team. And what do you reckon uh, the scoreline's going to be? Do you think Dublin can edge it on Saturday? Well, you know, funny, you know, if Dublin edge it on Sunday, if Dublin win by a, Saturday by a point, you know, there'll be a point ahead of Galway in, in score difference, because that could be important as well. You know, there is a chance that Gal- that Kilkenny exit could be a draw. Hmm. And in that case, if Dublin win, We'll have five te- four teams on five points. But on that basis, I'm doing the, the match, if you like, on that basis, it goes to score difference. If you have more than uh, two teams, it's score difference. And uh, it's head-to-head if it's only two teams. So on the score difference, Dublin would have a better five than Galway. Because at the moment, they're, they're, they're equal in score, minus, plus seven. So if Dublin win, they'll be at least, win by a point, they'll be plus eight. So they would tip... Galway for a place and Galway would be out if it was a draw in Wexford Park and mark my words Wexford Park could be a draw if Dublin if, if, it's, if there's a winner in Wexford Park let's say Kilkenny win they'll be on six player would be on or, uh, sorry Wexford Wexford would be on four and if Dublin won they'd be on five with Galway who are five but Dublin's five is better than Galway's five so Dublin would be uh, second sorry mm-hmm. third third so they'd be in the quarter final. They wouldn't be in the Leinster final. So they really have, you know, they have fabulous chance. An opportunity probably never again to have it as good as that at home, playing a great team with Dublin playing great hurling. You know, 
And there are people around the country said to me, Dublin can win this match. And if the players believe that, you know, I believe they can win a really tight match, provided we don't give away a foolish freeze and we score our freeze. And just quickly, looking at that other game, you did mention there that you think it could be a draw. Wexford obviously coming in on the back of that convincing win against Carlo and Kilkenny with that disappointing loss, I'd say. It's going to be an interesting one down there in Wexford Park. Oh, big time, you know, big time. Kilkenny and Wexford, you know, they're, 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 they're bitter enemies, you know. And Kilkenny would never like to lose into Wexford. They know now that if they lose, there is a chance they're gone. And this is a, this is an improving Kilkenny team. They were given no chance early on to the building a new team. First, Brian Cody, he has, built, he has built a new team. They're a serious team. I don't think they win the All-Ireland, but I'll tell you, they could take a few scamps in the meantime. I feel they will share the Wexford have been looking forward to this match for a long time. They think they will take Kilkenny. I'm not sure. Kilkenny were impressive last, last, uh, last Sunday, and they would love to beat Wexford in uh, Wexford Park. So I think Kilkenny will share this. So that would mean that, you know, if we can do our job in Parallel Park, Wexford are gone. So, as I said, you know, everybody, and mm-hmm. obviously, if Wexford beat Kilkenny, Kilkenny are gone if we beat Calway. But I think there will be two critical matches. We'd be watching one match and our ears to the phone for the other match. And <laughs> it's going to be most exciting. Hopefully, you know, hopefully, let's have a massive, um, a match, two great games down to the wire. And hopefully Dublin come out at the right side at the end of the day. And so say all of us. That was the chairman of the Friends of Dublin Hurling, Michael O'Grady. Now we'll have more on that game after the break. We're going to be hearing from Herald journalist Ronan McLaughlin. We're also going to be hearing from the Secretary of Dublin Camogie, Brendan Cooper. And Brian Talty is going to be looking back at the two Leinster football semi-finals, which took place last weekend. Do stay tuned. GAA Sports Desk, brought to you by the Heralds, every side of Dublin. And welcome back to GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. We're going to get straight back in to our preview of the Leinster game between Dublin and Galway this weekend. And earlier on this evening, I caught up with Herald journalist Ronan McLaughlin. This Saturday's game is essentially proper knockout hurling. Dublin against Galway must win for Maddie Kenny's team. So I suppose how impressed would you have you been with Dublin so far this summer? God, it's hard to know. I mean, in patches, they've looked very, very encouraging. I mean, you look at the first half against Kilkenny down in Allen Park, you know, generally a fortress and, and Dublin took the game to Kilkenny. But I suppose that consistency wasn't there in the second half and, you know, now thought they made of, you know, Greg Kennedy coming on the pitch and that's what inspired Kilkenny. I don't think that was the case. I just think uh, Kilkenny sort of got to grips with how Dublin were playing and Dublin pretty much disintegrated and they were quite poor in that second half and Emory oh, against Wexford, they went very well for an offload of the game. Um, I think in the, the third quarter they really looked like they were taking control and they were going to dominate and, and finish out easy winners but a couple of lapses in, in concentration and they conceded two goals and it's kind of been a story of Dublin on the year that there have been some good bits some encouraging bits but you know they leave themselves in a very difficult situation because they went down to Carlo and they did what they had to do and you know to be honest with you it was all about getting the win and keeping it uh, keeping it alive until next Saturday night and we we'll just have to see how they go. It's, it's, it's going to be tricky, though. There's no way, no doubt about that. Yeah, indeed. And I suppose coming into this game, Galway are bouncing, coming off the back of a, an incredible victory against Kilkenny in a really, really good game. Uh, first championship defeat for Kilkenny at Nolan Park since 1949. Um, confident, but then only with a six-day break. So it's kind of two sides of that coin. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, <clears throat> as, as, as impressive as Galway were, I think once again, it was only in patches. Um, really, you know, with an extra man, they should have, you know, should, should have finished that game on the front foot, foot. And really, they were blessed that the referee only played, 
you know, with little extra time or injury time as he did, because Kilkenny were definitely on the front foot then, and go, we are, we're very lucky to get out with the one point win. And, you know, they're playing in patches. It was their best performance of, of the year, but, I mean, that wasn't uh, too tough an ask, given that they were quite poor against Carlo at home. And then they struggled against Wexford, and to be honest with you, I think they were very lucky to get away with a draw that day. So they have the inconsistency, same as. Um, same as Dublin have they did play well and um, what they do have is they've great aerial strength and you know they've been there and they've done it before they certainly won't fear playing Dublin there's no way about that but we'll just have to see how they go you make the point about the six day break yeah it was a tough game for them last um, last uh, last Sunday afternoon we'll just have to see how it goes I doubt they'll use it as an excuse if things don't go their way and you know there's an awful lot of teams that have been asked to do that uh, it's Championship Hurl and it's not good it's what you're looking for but you know, um, I wouldn't anticipate they'll be using that as any excuse if things don't go their way. Looking in terms of the way uh, Dublin have set up, I suppose, fairly uh, defensive in, in some aspects. The shorter pitch tends to maybe suit the style of play that they've been using. Shane Barrett has been impressive. He's, he's got into uh, players, he's annoyed them. Obviously, he's going to be missing with the, the suspension. How much of a loss is he? He's a loss, all right, but I think Dublin do have the players to come in. I think I'd be more concerned if it was one of the the key men up front who who was absent for the game because I just don't think Dublin have the options of the depth up front that they would have at the back. So you'd imagine somebody like Darrell Connell might come in and they'll probably keep maybe keep Keane Hendrick in the corner back and we don't know what stories of Keane O'Callaghan be. I assume he's not going to be available at this stage. But they Dublin still have a bit of depth in defence. Um, you just further up the field is where the struggles are so the half-back line will be good but they need to be good I mean Galway's strength has always been winning their forwards are very good at winning their aerial ball they showed that against Kilkenny the last day um, and Dublin will really need to be honest but I suppose Bart isn't as commanding in the air as, as the Chris Crummy or Sean Moran so he mightn't be as keenly felt uh, losses as others on the team but he is I mean he's very consistent and Dublin are stronger with the minute but as I said I suppose I'd be more worried if it was a, a name in Dylan or a Connell Keeney or something like that who was missing the next day Yeah indeed and I, I suppose uh, the, the game against Kilkenny and maybe to some extent against Wexford Dublin were looked impressive when they could control the, the puck out the short puck out in particular once Kilkenny pushed up on that puck out in the, in the first game Dublin looked in a bit of trouble and that second half looked a bit one dimensional um, have they changed do you think in the, in the games in Wexford and Carlo from that Kilkenny game are they mixing it up a little bit more I think the key to any successful poke-out strategy is that you mix it up, um, I, I, you know, or else it just becomes way too predictable. And I think that's what happened uh, down in Nolan Park. And they have to mix it up. But certainly they have to have ball winners. Uh, they have to have an option on the half-forward line. I mean, Danny Sutcliffe hasn't possibly provided that and has maybe been slightly disappointing in terms of his contributions. But we all know he's a match winner on his day. And he has performed well against Galway in the past and you're just hoping he'll do the same again. But... Um, you know, we'll have to see what happens with uh, Colonel Keeney. He's, you know, it's a bit disappointing that he's, he's still our talisman, really, in many ways, given his age. You know, it's it's um, it's a bit unfair to expect him still to be carrying the load, but he is a great option for Dublin. And it, it, it is a case, though, that you, you kind of feel that Dublin are going to have to have all their players playing very, very close at eights and nines, nine out of tens to, to get over the line because, um, you know, going forward, they showed the other day how clinical they can be. I mean, you look at Carl Mannion the last day was absolute genius, you know. Uh, he'll have to be keenly marked and he has the great ability to just pick up space. And if Dublin get any way loose, Mannion will take uh, advantage of that. So there's a lot of ifs, buts and maybes about Dublin. And I suppose I would have been more confident prior to Goa's performance against Kilkenny the last day. And uh, I think, you know, it could be a tough old afternoon for Dublin. 
Yeah, indeed. And, and in terms of, I suppose, the management battle and the battle on the sidelines, you know, Maddie Kenny will know those Galway players haven't been a selector uh, with many of them uh, a few years ago. Um, how much of an advantage is that versus his, his opposite number? I think possibly in the days of yore it might have been an advantage. You'd know these people and, you know, um, but at this stage of this, you know, players know, management know every player inside out. They're all playing for colleges. All these games are well mapped. You know, you can get video analysis sent to you. You know, you'll have a backroom team that will go down and watch matches. So you pretty much know players inside out now at this stage at the, at the highest level and even at, at colleges level and everything else. So I wouldn't see that as a as a, as a massive advantage to Matty Kenny. Um, I think what Dublin need to do is Kenny needs to focus on Dublin and make sure that the players are, you know, fully conscious of what's, what's expected of them. Uh, I think they'll have to take their chances. I think Dublin will need to score goals to win the game. It's not something that's... Uh, you know that they're particularly uh, good at so um, it really is a case of whatever chance that comes their way it, it, it can't be like Paul Ryan down in Nolan Park where he just whizzes past the post has to go inside the near post you know and uh, hopefully now with Aim Dillon uh, scoring a couple of goals against Carroll the last day that will boost his confidence and Dillon is a natural goal scorer so you'd hope you know there are chances for Dublin but you just feel that they might need to I'll go away to, to get over the line Very finally on. what's your head telling you are Dublin going to do it on Saturday night or is there going to be a, another case of a near miss Um as I said earlier, I'm just slightly concerned having seen Galway the last day. I thought they got their mojo back. I thought, I thought they were very impressive. Um, Aerially, they have an advantage on Dublin. Um, you know, they have the experience too. I, I think, you know, my heart obviously says one thing, but unfortunately, I think uh, my head might be telling me something else. I think possibly, you know, Dublin to keep in touch for the first 50 minutes or so, but maybe things run away from them from that point. And our thanks as ever to Ronan for talking to us on the show. Now moving from hurling to football, it was a good weekend for the Dublin senior footballers. They booked their place in another Leinster final, their ninth in a row with a victory over Kildare by 15 points at Crow Park. And earlier on this evening, Emma caught up with our regular contributor, Brian Talty, to get his view of the game. Yeah, I suppose it was close enough, you know, and, and, and Dublin made a few mistakes, which they're not normally uh, used to doing, you know, giving the ball away and stuff like that. And there was a few... Uh, guys whose individual battle wasn't won, you know, but you know, but really they were under no pressure at all, really, to be honest with you. The whole game, I mean, you know, it's just their, their their pace and their power, and you know the way they turned the ball over as quick as once Kildare lost it, it was gone up the other end of the field and it was going over the bar, and they just seemed to be at their ease, you know. And I didn't think they were under pressure at any stage at all in the game of losing the game or at the game being close, you know. They just just were a different class. Obviously, Kildare did have those few missed goal chances. Cluxton on his 100th appearance uh, proving very uh, crucial. Yeah, absolutely. There were those few chances and I suppose it's always good to have something to work on as well for Jim and the lads and that's certainly one of the one of the things they're going to have to work on because I suppose other teams might have put those away but not easy to get the ball past Cluxton especially on his 100th uh, game as well for Dublin. He wasn't going to let in that too easy. So, um, But yeah, it's something they're going to have to work on. They, they did cough up a few chances but I just thought they were kind of in, in third gear really, you know, not even that, you know, they seemed to just saunter through the game and you know every time they won the ball you were saying to yourself look there's going to be a score out of this so um, a very dominant display to be honest with you and I suppose a few things to work on as well which is good for the lads Obviously four points up at half time but then they just drove on and ended up 15 points with us in the end Kildare couldn't really do anything in the second half 
No, and, and in fairness, Kildare, a lot of them tried very hard, and some of them won their individual battles as well, and some of them in the forward line caused a few problems, kicked some good scores, but, but um, you know, it's, it's it's not the individuals with the Dublin team, it's, it's, it's a team, and it's the way it, it, it plays like a machine, to be honest with you, and the, the, the pace of them is unbelievable, and, you know, I'm just saying to somebody today, Emma, um, you know, you're marking Davy Byrne for... 45 minutes or 50 minutes and you know he's running you all over the place with the power and the pace that he has next minute Owen Merchant comes in and he's running you again like you know what I mean it's just the, it's the speed of, of the individuals and the speed of the movement of the ball and the support play of Dublin is just unbelievable and you know a guy in possession is not supported by one he has three or four options and you know it just makes it very hard to even tackle a Dublin player because the ball has moved so quickly and, and uh, then they get the ball to the right position and then they have the shooters like Costello and, and Paul Mannion and Kilkenny and even Fento he got, got in for a few scores, you know, so um, very hard team to beat because it's the, it's the team and it's the system of play and it's the power and the pace that they have. Obviously with Costello and Mannion scoring 16 between them, it's hard for any backline to kind of counteract that. Well, it certainly is, you know, but I mean, the thing is, if you if you go man to man on on these guys or put your markers on 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 the likes of Paul Mannion or or Costello, then you'll have Kilkenny and uh, Howard coming up with scores, or you know Brian Fenton in the middle of the field coming up with scores. You know, it's just it's just you know the the the, the team that they have, the way they play as a team, the work rate. Like at one stage. Paul Mannion scored, as he scored six points or seven points in the game, he was back at cornerback putting in tackles. And, you know, that's the work rate of the system as well of, you know, Keno Sullivan covering back. And if Keno Sullivan goes man to man, Brian Howard is back there covering up. And it's very difficult for a team. They, they just look as if they know what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, we haven't even mentioned the likes of James McCarthy or Jack McCaffrey. And, you know, so, so. This is uh, it's going to be hard for any team to beat Dublin. They're certainly going to you have to be very pacey. You're going to have to have a lot of man markers, and you know they're going to have to come up with something to, to deal with the Dublin system. And obviously, we see some people coming back from injury. We saw Paddy Andrews uh, coming back. We also have Rory O'Carroll his first match in Crow Park since 2015. There's not a shortage of options for Jim Gavin. Well, look, this is the this is the strength of them. You know what I mean? It's just. You know, you saw young old Merchant coming on as well after being out with injuries. Johnny Cooper is still to come back. Great to see Paddy Andrews coming back after that that injury that he got. You know, it's great to see him back there in Crow Park again. And um, you know, and then you saw Michael Dara coming starting in the middle of the field, and next minute uh, young Gavin comes in and he adds pace to the game as well, and you know, caused some trouble there as well. So it's, it's, it's the the, the Panel of players that Dublin have, and there isn't. I don't think. I don't think there's one slow player in the whole team. Like you know, so they're all they're all powerful and they're pacey and they play the ball very quickly. And there's a great support play. They give the ball and they go. It's very very hard to mark it. Then obviously in the other match we saw Mead take on Leash. Uh, Mead probably coming away uh, bigger victors than maybe expected. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the first half of the game was poor, very poor. Like to be honest with you. And, in the second half, Mead got some great scores. But you know, I just look at the Mead team, and you said to yourself, like the old days, it was they were big and they were powerful. And I suppose um, they have some big, powerful players. But um, to be honest with you, I can't see them having the pace and the power to deal with Dublin. But you know, they've done very well this year. I'm sure Andy McEntee would be happy that the fact that you know, first of all, they've got back to Division One. Now they're into a Leinster final, so they're all pluses for them. And you know, hopefully, we see. Uh, big performance from, from Mead in the final and you know it's a big big challenge for them Yeah obviously their leash performance 
wouldn't be kind of what they were expecting on the day. They didn't really put it up to me. Yeah, disappointed really with Leash. You know, I thought that you know they've been going quite well this year, and uh, and uh, the performance the last day it was okay in the first half, I suppose, but um, second half like the the. You know, they weren't in it at all and you know they let the midfielder just walk through the middle of the field and stick the ball in the back of the net twice um, you know so you know I'd say Leeds are very disappointed with that performance and uh, I'd say they expected an awful lot more from themselves and You mentioned there the, the great work Andy McEntee has done what will he need to get them to work on to get up to that level to challenge Dublin in the final? Oh, <laughs> a lot of people would like to know what they have to do I'd say you'd have to first of all have 15 very pacey players which I don't think they have uh, I think you have to have about six man markers for the Dublin forward line, and then you have to be able to compete in the middle of the field. And it's uh, it's a real difficult one for him now. But I think you know, I think he'd be delighted to be to be there to have the challenge and to have a go at it. And um, you know, Mead or Mead, you know, and you can't ever write off Mead. But this Dublin team, I just can't, I just can't see it that uh, Mead would be up to the standard. To be honest with you, you know, I mean. I, I would have thought that Kildare would have put up a better battle. And, and you know, I haven't said that in, in little bits and pieces of it. They did put on a, a right challenge. But Dublin just to wear you out, like as you say, at halftime in the Dublin game, there's only four points in it, I think. But they ended up winning by 15 points because they just wear you out with their, their running game and the power and the pace of it. And, you know, the movement of the ball is so quick. It's very hard to get a tackle in. So I can't see me staying with that, to be honest with you, even though they have a lot of good individuals. But... I don't think they're up to that standard yet. And just while I have you here, I have to ask your opinion on Galway and Ross Common. What do you make of it? Yeah, it's going to be a tough one, all right. I'd say, you know, Galway, uh, you know, Galway going into that game with an awful lot of injuries, an awful lot of their top players being injured, and, uh, you know, particularly the likes of Damien Comer being out. Young Malloy from Currafin, he's out as well with another ankle injury. So um, I think it'll be very tight. Ross Common did very well against Mayo, played very good football, good forward line. Um, I think it'll be a very tight game and I suppose Emma to be honest I'll be hoping Gaul will win it by even if they win it by a point or two and, and then get the injured guys back and, and uh, they'll be stronger as they go on then so but uh, it'll be a tough one you know I think it'll be it'll be you know down to a point or two at the end of that And thanks as ever to Brian for talking to us on the show that Connacht final of course is taking place this Sunday Now the Dublin Senior Camogie team are in championship action this weekend they're taking on Meath in Parnell's GA Club on Saturday and earlier on this evening Emma caught up with the Secretary of Dublin Camogie Brendan Cooper to get his view ahead of the game Uh, Last year they came away with a win against Meath so this one should be an interesting one yeah, I suppose when it comes to the All-Ireland Championship, then it's, you, you, you take anything for granted at your peril. Uh, and I know we're, we're going to treat me with every, give them every respect that they, they deserve because they are an up-and-coming team. And on their day, you know, they, they can get a result over, over, over the best you know, on any given occasion. So I know Frank Brown now and, and his list of uh, selectors are, are you, know, you know going all out to win this match. I suppose... Uh, we're in a group in, with, with what um, Tipperary, Cork, Waterford, and Clare, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And uh, from our point of view, it would be so important to get uh, two points on the board now um, on Saturday. It's it's not going to be an easy task by any stretch of the imagination. If we play up to our potential, Emma, uh, we're, we're, we're you know we're more than capable of winning. But anything less than kind of 100 percent, and that opens the door for for me. And that's the one thing that we we don't want to do is to open the door for me. And allow them a, a chance. A good start is always half the battle now at this stage. Um, and looking at the, the, the way the groups are, are formed, 
it, we, we probably have to the easier if that's just the right word to use the easier up to two groups because I know in the other group there's Galway and there's Kilkenny as well so that's a that's a very very tough group indeed so we're looking at our group and saying we have you know realistic chances of, of getting to a semi-final at, at least and I think that's what, basically what we're targeting first and foremost however we can't get anywhere near a semi-final unless we kind of get points on the board so um, you know Parnell's Next for next uh, Saturday at, at 5 p.m. Is, is is our opening uh, salvo now at this stage? I know that the girls have put a huge amount of, of work in, into their into their training over the last uh, number of weeks since our, our domestic league's finished. Um, and I think that they're they're quite confident, uh, Emma. So it'll all depend on how things work out in the day. But you know, touch wood, we we, we get a, a kind of a, a flying start and two points on the board. You said there it has been a while since we've seen them in action. What would have they been doing to prepare for this match over the last few weeks? Well, since the um, since the league, the national league finished, uh, Emma, we will have come back to our domestic leagues, which will have taken place from around oh, it would have been April and May, and um, we've just finished those domestic leagues there last week, the week before, week before, in actual fact. So uh, the girls will have been kind of been very much involved with their own clubs uh, during that period of time. And they would also have been out with uh, with Frank uh, training as well. But now that our domestic leagues have concluded, it means that the girls can kind of ex- exclusively uh, devote all their attention to uh, to intercounty training now at this stage. And I know they're out three, three nights a week, plus a match on the weekends. Uh, Emma, so it's it, so basically they will be reasonably fit coming back from their clubs. It's a matter of just keeping them ticking over, making sure that making sure that that we do the basics right. That that's the Along the shore, of it. it's cutting out the city errors, you know, the, the the soft scores. If we can manage to do that, we have forwards there that that can do damage to any given team on any given day. So I, I think Frank will just be saying, you know, give give the, me the respect that they deserve, play to our potential, and hopefully that'll be good enough to kind of get us up and running. Um, as I say, it's important to get a good start because, you know, uh, we have Ward for the following week. If I'm not mistaken, we have to travel down to to uh, Walsh Park. If I'm not mistaken. So there are two matches that, you know, we could, you know, and we've always done well against these particular counties in the past. So there's no reason to suggest that either of these two counties hold any fears for, from a Dublin perspective. But it's all very well for me to say this. I think you guys have to do it on the pitch. Yes, that's the only place it counts is actually what they do on the pitch. And in their group this year, uh, Dublin have three of their games at home. Will that suit Dublin, do you think? Yes, I suppose. I mean, any advantage you can get in a group stage is, is always to be welcomed. Uh, in the past, we've had the, the opposite, and we've had to travel to the likes of Cork. And again, I know we have to travel to Cork this this uh, time round as well. But our home matches are uh, what is it? Mead, our first match. We also have um, Cork away, Clare at home, and Tipperary at home. We have Tipperary at home as well, as far as as well. So, looking at the teams in our group, and with the exception of Cork, now Cork obviously are, are probably a, a couple of steps ahead of us now at this stage, but you know, we'll give them a good rattle when we go down to Cork. But if we look at the other four teams in, in that particular group, none of them would hold any um, problems for, from, from a Dublin perspective. We wouldn't be going down to play Tipperary or Clare or Waterford in all of any of these counties we'd be saying that this, we're the better county and an all known form we, we should be producing their results and getting uh, victories on the board because basically if we can manage to finish second in the group ideally we want to finish first that is no doubt Emma however being realistic about it if we could finish second to Cork it would give us um, 
uh, quarterfinals against the third place in the in the other group. That's the ideal scenario as far as Dublin is, is concerned. Win the group and go straight to the semi-final. That, that's icing on the cake. But in you know if that can, is not achievable, certainly then we need to be targeting the second place in that group, and it just makes that our quarterfinal is. It means that we will avoid the likes of Kilkenny or Galway at that stage. So I think that's the kind of the agenda going forward, Emma. And uh, hopefully, you know, all things goes goes according to plan. Touch wood, and that uh, that's exactly where we find ourselves. You know, because these matches come thick and fast. I think they come up 15, 20 seconds. I think we have a break on the 29th. That's our bye week. Then to um, back into Cork on the 6th of July. 13th is Tipperary. I think our last match is on the 20th of uh, of July against Clare. So it's you know it's it's not the hardest uh, group, uh, Emma. Um, if we had a choice, we would have wanted this group. So it's up to us to kind of you know do the business on the pitch and get the points on the board. So that's uh, I say that's what frankly saying to his players: keep it simple, just keep the scoreboard ticking over. I know the Camogie Association is very big into the 20 by 20 initiative this year. They're having mini games between the matches and a mascot. How important is support to the girls, do you think? It, 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 that's a huge bonus uh, um, because I know when we, uh, when we went out to the clubs looking for, for teams to uh, participate in mini games at half time. And we were looking for, for six teams, so I know three, three little mini games at half time. We got 20 clubs who wanted to participate. So obviously 14 clubs were disappointed. However, we'll fit them in again later, you know, just for, for our second and third home matches later in the uh, in this month and July as well. But there's a huge interest in, in, in Dublin Colgate at the moment. And I suppose the other side of the coin is, you know, if we get, you know, 80 or 90 girls coming on to play in, the, in our mini leagues, it means that their parents come along as well. And that increases the, um, the, the, the crowd, you know, from a vocal point of view, if nothing else. I think any time you have a home match, any time you have the support behind you, it's it's worth a couple of points on the on the board, Emma. Uh, if, if, if the truth be known, so you know, rather we play at home than play away, because you know, I think we should have a half decent crowd out in Parnell on Saturday. So we're looking forward to a, to a huge crowd and not, you know a boisterous crowd as well, because it's it is worth one or two points uh, when, when all when all is said and done. Then also last week we saw uh, some of the Dublin teams in failure action. Uh, St. Moore's actually um, came joint winners with Cushion Dolls. Uh, tell me yeah. how that came about. Yeah, that's a, that was an interesting one, Emma, <laughs> because um, Moore's were actually hosting uh, this is regional failure um, for some of the teams that, that didn't quite win their groups in, in national uh, in their group in the domestic failures. So there's a number of regional matches, uh, places lined up throughout throughout the, the country. And Moors uh, were lucky enough to, to kind of host uh, their particular section last Saturday, last Saturday morning, I think it was. Um, Moors are a very progressive uh, 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 outfit at the moment, uh, Emma. They do a huge amount of work out there. They have a huge catchment area as well. And that's beginning to show on, on the uh, on the pitch as well. So they were hosting, they were, they were the ones that were kind of uh, made their venue av- available. Um, looking at their first, uh, they won their match. Their first match easy enough. Their second match against Cushendall was a match that Cushendall won quite handily. I think it was seven two to two five. That was the final score. So you know, for 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 Morris to then come back out later in, in that particular competition and meet the same opposition that had you know won easy enough in, in the group stages, that was a tremendous uh, attribute towards uh, Morris because really and truly 
they absolutely improved as the tournament went, went on. Now, I don't know where the cushion uh, were, were a bit tired from the other uh, exercise uh, throughout the, the, the afternoon. But Moors were, were similar as well. They had the same amount of matches as well. So at the end of the uh, of the final, it was a draw between the Moors and Cushion Doll, and they went into extra time at that stage. And again, that couldn't separate the uh, the two clubs. And I suppose common sense prevailed, um, Emma, and it was decided that they would split the trophy six months in, in each. And I think everyone went away happy. I know Moors were absolutely thrilled that you know the fact that they were hosting, they were joint winners of that particular regional failure. I think Cushion Doll went back home as well, and they were happy as well. So, all things considered, it was a fantastic day out there. Morris on a great show, uh, as they always do, and their two pitches were in absolutely splendid condition. And it was great to see uh, Morris getting another little bit of silverware. They've done really, really well at juvenile level over the last number of years, and they're an up and coming progressive club. And um, so, long may that last. So, I think a great day's entertainment by all accounts, Emma. And also St. Jude's and Luke and Cyrus Fields, they participated this weekend as well. Yeah, they, they, they went down, um, they were in various uh, locations throughout the country. Now, unfortunately, neither of them got to the stage where, where they were kind of vying for silverware. But having said that, both clubs equipped themselves really well. And it's great for the children because it just exposes them to different types of commodities all over the country as opposed to whatever the clubs within, within Dublin. And we have 50-odd clubs. But it's great when they, when they travel down the country and they meet the country clubs and they see the standards of Camogie in the likes of, you know, Cork and, and, and you know, Warford and, and Galway. They're the clubs, uh, they're the teams that they need to be kind of getting up to uh, from, a, from a, a domestic point of view. A great experience for, for the kids. No silverware, um, Emma, but, you know, very enjoyable days by all accounts. And then also this week we see the Golf Classic take place. Yeah, this is the senior fundraising uh, Golf Classic and they put a huge amount of work into this. Uh, it takes place on Thursday. Um, and the teams are for, I think it's 320 euros, including a meal. So I think, uh, I know James Murphy and uh, Carl O'Brien have put a huge amount of work into this from a senior perspective. And we're hoping to get a great turnout there in Paris Court on uh, Thursday afternoon. So if anyone wants uh, to, to get a tea spot, I'll give myself or Carl or our numbers are all over the place now at this stage. We'd be more than happy to see uh, all on Sunday there on, on Thursday. We have the tea time, tea time uh, between 11 and 3. So lots of great entertainment out there. Lovely course. Hopefully the weather will, will be half decent. I think the forecast is reasonably good. So it promises to be a fantastic occasion. A good money spinner from a Dublin perspective as well, Emma. And indeed, if you want to get involved tomorrow, do give Brendan a text on 086 318 now I'm afraid that is pretty much all we have time for here on GA Sports Desk this evening. Do stay tuned, we have Art Beat next with Des Fitzgerald. But on behalf of the GA Sports Desk team, Emma Hayden, Katie Scanlon on sound and myself Peter Brannigan, do have a great weekend and we'll talk to you again next Wednesday evening. GAA Sports Desk, brought to you by the Heralds, every side of Dublin.